0: Welcome to the Healthy Leadership Mentor, a podcast hosted by Andrew Gray. Andrew has over 25 years experience as a business owner, not-for-profit leader, keynote speaker, mentor, and consultant. On the show, Andrew talks everything related to leadership, high-performance psychology, and inner life health for leaders in the world of business, sport, not-for-profit, politics, and media. With a tertiary background in sports psychology and a multi-decade career developing healthy, high-performance leaders, Andrew is ready to empower your path towards a healthy and fruitful life. Let's go to today's episode.
1: Welcome back to the show, everyone. Our first episode for 2024. My name is Andrew Gray, your healthy leadership mentor. This week, we've got a very special guest on the podcast My guest today is Angus Taylor. Angus is first and foremost a family man, and he's a local community man. But of course, he's also the federal member for Hume in New South Wales for the Australian Liberal Party and the federal shadow treasurer. I know you're going to love hearing more of his story. So welcome to the podcast, Angus. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Great to be with you, Andy. Really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. I want to start out uh, with your early life, Uh, if we can perhaps help the listeners and viewers to know a little bit more of your backstory. I want you to tell us uh, about family. Tell us about growing up in the country and how those things have shaped who you are today.
2: Yeah, look, I grew up in a big family by today's standards, I guess, four, four boys, three brothers who I remain very close to to this day, very loyal family. Uh, grew up in a little town, tiny town called Nimidabel, south of of Cooma near the Snowy like. Mountains, um, and you know, a farming, traditional farming family. My, my family had been in that area for a number of generations, um, and uh, you know, all the trials and tribulations of running a small business, which is what a farm is, within the family, right. and growing up with with four boys, very close in age. But I, you know, a, a close family, and, and my mother and father were both big believers in and. Right until they died. Uh, huge believers in the importance of family, uh, the 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 role that family has to play, not just in bringing up kids, of course, but in supporting each other throughout our lives, and and that's one of the great gifts I received. And and growing up on a farm, I guess it was particularly uh, important because you you are it's, it's you. You're, there's not others around, or not many anyway. Um, and being a t- tiny country town. Uh, family I think played a particularly important role.
1: Yeah absolutely you mentioned there growing up in a small country town and everything that goes along with that I'm curious to find out from your perspective uh, what was it like going from that small country town experience to the very large very public stage that you have in your life now and I guess really when we boil it down the the question I'm asking there is why politics?
2: Yeah it's a good question i ask myself that uh, often um, you know have have I done the right thing and and, and am I serving in the right way Uh, but look I I grew up with a grandfather who was very active in building the snowy scheme he was the leader of uh, the snowy scheme right through the building era from the late um, from the late 40s right through to um when it was completed in the early 70s and uh he he was a role model for me um as were my parents but he was a role model because he believed deeply deeply uh in servant leadership Uh, he was a huge influence and a a big role model as were my parents but he was a particularly important role model uh because he was a leader in a difficult environment um and uh uh, my parents held him up as a role model and he was a mm. deep believer in servant leadership I mean his right. whole model of leadership uh, was to engage uh, with his community uh, to lead mm-hmm. them uh, not by being a dictator or an autocrat by, right. but by role modeling um, and and by giving them a vision of, of, of where they could they could go it was a time of uh, enormous immigration in Australia huge post-war yes. immigration of course kuma, which was the, the bigger town nearby uh, was where he was based. Um, and that model of leadership that he showed is one that I've believed in uh, ever since. Uh, mm-hmm. and whilst I was brought up in a small business family, I was also brought up believe, to believe that, that positive public service is, is a great thing. And yes. I suppose that had an influence on me and, and uh, you know, politics was ultimately a result of that belief.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you use that phrase, servant leadership. Uh, obviously, people who decide to engage in a career pathway of politics and you know the public spotlight and all the rest of it, that's going to attract a certain amount of pressure. And you know, as we've discussed on previous occasions, you know there can be a toll and there's a, there's a price that you've got to pay being in the public spotlight. Tell me about that uh, situation. How that pairs up the motive of. Uh, servant leadership and make a contribution. But then on the other end of that, there's a price to pay, right?
2: There sure is. And I, I think it's true of all leadership, but I don't think it's just political, Andrew. I, I right. think all leadership has a price to pay, but that's, yes. that, that's the price of serving others. It's not easy. True. Uh, it's certainly uh, not always green pastures to use a a farming analogy—that's the nature of it—and um, right. we've got to reconcile ourselves to that. There's great things too. There's wonderful things in, in serving others. I mean, I think serving others is is a great source of human fulfillment. Um, mm. But we, we shouldn't be blind to the fact that we do pay a price for it at times because sure. people will question what we do. They will question why we're doing it, um, and there will be some who won't like the decisions we make as as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think as long as people stay true to their values and to what they're trying to achieve, um, I, I think uh, that model of leadership can be incredibly fulfilling, but there will be a price to pay along the way. Yeah. As I say, I don't think that's restricted to politics. I think that's true of leadership anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And, and as you touched on there, not everyone's going to agree with what you do or how you do it. Um, I, I want to explore that a little bit. I, I think more Australians than ever, whether it's right or wrong, but I think more Australians than ever are cynical about the political landscape. Um, there's distrust, there's cynicism, as I said, there's, there's a suspicion of self-indulgence and all of those kinds of things. What's your take on that from the perspective of the average Aussie and, and where do you think that goes moving forward for us?
2: It's a great question. I mean, I think there's always been within Australia a, a scepticism of authority and I think that can be a healthy thing. I don't think that's sure. all bad. Um, but there is a, a scepticism of authority in our, in our DNA, so to speak. True. Um, uh, but I think it has intensified too, even in my time in politics, the 10 years I've been in politics, which, which is a short time in the broader scheme of things, but it's been a time of great change. And mm. um, I, I think that scepticism has intensified. And I think it makes the job of a leader harder. I um, mean, what's driving yes. that, I think there's an element of social media. I think there's a loss of a compass uh, and, and a sense mm-hmm. of values in parts of the community as well. I think there's been part of that. I think the decline of, um, or the change of religion, I don't think it's all in decline. I think there's some, some religion on the rise, which is a great thing in my view, but, but, right. but there's been a certainly dramatic change in, in uh, religious belief out in the community. Right. And all of those things have contributed to making uh, leadership harder because I think there's, there's fewer shared values than there were. Um, yes. Uh, as I say, some scepticism some of authority is not always a bad thing, but I think a loss of shared values can be very dangerous and, and I think we are seeing that. It makes leadership harder. It also makes leadership more important. Um, and I think those two things go side by side. Uh, But it certainly doesn't make leadership easier um, in any way, shape or form. Uh, And again, I think that's not restricted just to the political domain.
1: I want to um, share a a thought that I have around what's happening societally. It, It feels like to me over the last decade, we've gone through this season of almost being in shock where certain people have had this methodology whereby they make up their mind how things should be. And then anybody who disagrees gets labelled and then bullied and people have been sort of in a state of shock about how to deal with that. But from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, it seems like people are starting to push back a little on that and And I'm wondering what your take is, whether you feel the same, whether the, the silent majority, so to speak, are finally finding their voice.
2: Well, I think that's right. I mean, if you go up to back to when I was growing up, which we were talking about earlier, Andrew, um, you know, most towns, including major cities, only had a couple of newspapers, a couple of TV stations. And so, um, you know, there was these sort of shared views of the world that were uh, we, we would receive in the media on a continual basis. Social media has completely changed that. Technology has totally. completely changed that. And the result is now we hear lots of different voices and we can pick the one that we like most mm. uh, at the time. And, and small groups a little bit like frill lizards, lizards. Uh, they can be not representative of many people, but they can make nice. a lot of noise. Um, right. And, uh, you, so you've seen activists create these platforms and 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 make it look as though they are representing the majority. Meanwhile, right. most Australians, most people around the world, just getting on with their lives, trying to live their lives yes. the best they can, to be the best people they can. Um, and, uh, and they are silent. You don't hear from the all, mm. even with all of these platforms. Um, so the great challenge, I think, in modern society is to keep an eye on that silent majority with those that din of loud voices from those mm. who really want to be heard, who have the megaphones. Um, and yeah. I think that's a challenge for politicians. I think it's a challenge much more broadly. Again, leadership in general, I think this is yes. extremely difficult. I am hopeful and optimistic um, that those... The, the the core values of, of mainstream Australia and people around the world who, as I say, are trying to to, to, to live good lives and raise families and do all those right. wonderful things uh, are increasingly conscious of this issue and are mm. increasingly starting to be listened to. But there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and I yes. think leaders at every level in business, in, in, in politics, in sport, you name it, uh, have to be conscious of this dynamic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I want to also get into some real practical issues as it pertains to us here in Australia. The fact of the matter is blatantly obvious to most people. We, we are in a cost of living crisis. We are in a, a crisis of energy prices. We are in a housing affordability crisis. Why are we here and, and what is the answer for us to get out of here?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I think our political uh, system um, is very focused on short-term fixes, um, and, right. and yet what ensures that you have an economy and a society that can reward aspiration and prosperity uh, takes long, long-term hard work. Um, we, we don't we don't have the patience, um, and we we don't have the far-sightedness at times to um, do the things that we need to do to create that environment where people can live their best lives uh, and be the best people uh, they can be. And that includes, of course, giving great opportunities to to others and and your family uh, in particular. So I I think that is a real crisis. It's not a new crisis. I mean, we struck this back in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up um, and we saw what you had to do to fix it. But ultimately, you've got to put faith back in uh, personal responsibility um, and the important role of individuals to discover their own journeys in life and their own journeys um, in, in, in their world, um, that that is the key. Um, and, and they will, I think, ultimately solve the problems that have got to be solved. Big government is not the answer, Andrew, in my view. I mean, I, I don't think it can replace all the things that individuals and communities can do. Um, and uh, one of the mistakes we've made in recent years is to believe uh, that big government can provide that fulfillment and those answers. And I don't think it can. And in fact, the side effect, the byproduct of that is the kind of environment that we have right now where um, we, we, we do have a cost of living crisis. Uh, and I think ultimately it is a, a product of big government.
1: Now, I do want to give a bit of a disclaimer before I ask this next question, which is uh, traditionally, I've always voted in favour of conservative values and conservative representatives. However, I believe all politicians on all sides should be evaluated based on merit, Uh, not personality, not party, but merit and results. And so I want to ask you this question. Is the current Prime Minister and his Labor Party the weakest and least competent government we've seen in generations, and why?
2: Yeah, look, you'd expect me to say as a member of the Liberal Party that that I agree with that. (laughs) And, and I do, but I think what's more important is is why. Um, I, I I think this government has lost its way. It has lost an understanding of what drives Australia and Australians. So I mean, we are an aspirational country. The vast majority of Australians, as I said, want to, want to make the best of their lives. They do believe in personal responsibility. They want to create opportunities for their kids. But most importantly, they want their kids to grow up to be. Um, responsible adults that live great lives themselves Um, but that means the role of government is to enable people to be their best not to try to to take over their lives Um, and I think we have seen too much of a focus on government being able to provide people with the answer and so you know when the government spends more money without wanting to get too technical in the economics of all of this when they spend more money, that puts pressure on inflation, that puts pressure on the cost of living. Big government has a cost attached to it. When government says, you know, it can regulate things to make them better, sometimes it may be able to, but often it doesn't. Um, and I, I think we've got to put more faith in ourselves, in our communities, um, and in individuals and, and the, the great institutions that we have uh, to help individuals to live the best lives they can.
1: Now, I'm sure you would have seen recently, as most of us did, uh, this outstanding performance from the Argentinian President Javier Mille, uh at Davos. I, I would call his speech, his performance, courageous and convicted, even urgent perhaps. And, and I want to quote a couple of things that he said in his speech. He said things like this, uh, political leaders need to reject socialism and instead embrace free enterprise capitalism to bring an end to world poverty. He also said, today I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger and it's in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. And one more quote, he said, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom, for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Well, here's my question for you, Angus, uh, and it comes in the basis of a proposal, and that is that I would like to propose to you that this style of leadership is possibly the only way forward if we're going to bring about some uh, common sense change and some lasting change. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? And, and what's your take on the Argentinian president and his speech recently at Davos in Switzerland?
2: Yeah, and I saw that and, and I've been watching him closely and I mean a huge challenge in Argentina. I spent time in Argentina and uh, you know in a very difficult environment. And I think he, he he is proposing a pathway out of that, which is the right one. Um and uh it could work. But it's a political challenge is absolutely enormous for him. He's got to take on vested interests and he's got to shift from a peronist kind of view that big government is the answer to everything, which has been part of Argentina for a long time. Uh, to actually individuals have got to be right at the heart uh, of, of our economy and our society. And I, I think that that is the challenge for all political leaders. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, I think that was a much more accepted part of society. Government didn't play as big a role. We only have to look at the the spending to see that. I mean, it was a, a very different world. I, I think now, whether it's culturally or, or economically, um uh, there are many now who believe that 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 you know Canberra in our case can provide all the answers. Well it can't. It can't. But what it can provide is a platform for people to find their own answers and to find their own fulfillment and to find their own aspirations uh and and their own pathway to prosperity, both spiritual and, and economic. Um and um I think that's the role of government. We've got to push back on The alternative views it's important Andrew I believe this very strongly is we can't just push back on what we dislike we've got to actually paint the picture for what we believe in and a lot of people say to me what's what's your vision for Australia and I say my vision for Australia is a vision of over 26 million Australians it's what they want to achieve I would like to think that, that in doing that they will adopt a set of values uh, that are closer to the ones I believe and I think they do I think the vast majority of Australians do uh but but I think we've got to trust them um and uh and you know trust in big government is not the answer but that's a difficult style of leadership in the modern environment where you've got to provide answers tomorrow uh, I think this government has been has, has succumbed to uh the siren call of the 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 immediate answer which is you know this direct intervention and throwing lots of money around and, uh, and, and and telling people how to live their lives, that's not the answer.
1: I'm so pleased to hear you say that, and I couldn't agree more that uh, big government is not the answer. And, and in that same vein, uh, my opinion and my view would be that big corporation and, and, and big entities, generally speaking, are not the answer. Uh, most of our creativity and our best outcomes typically come from uh, the innovation of individuals rather than overarching organizations uh, telling us how to think and what to do and pretending to be uh, the oracle on all matters for the sake of the whole population. And it reminds me of what's been happening recently with the whole Woolworths debacle, where they've decided to take Australia Day merchandise off the shelves. And, you know, I, I'm a, a proud Australian who is quite irritated by that decision of Woolworths. I understand why they think they're doing it but I think we've got a lot to be grateful and a lot to be celebrating as Australians and the actions of Woolworths is not the way for us to achieve any progress in my mind and I think most Australians would agree with that viewpoint but I think people are not just irritated about uh, that specific choice regarding the merchandise but I think what we find just as frustrating is this idea that a big company like Woolworths thinks that it's their position to tell us how to think and tell us how to live. And it's, it's happening everywhere. It's happening in corporate life. It's happening in government life. It's happening in the world of professional sport where these organizations and, and the personnel that run them think it's their role to tell us how to live. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. Maybe you could elaborate and talk to us about your view on that matter.
2: Yeah, I think this is absolutely right. So, you know, gro- growing up in a small country town, in a farming family, um, you know, we, we believed in the small and the local, and I was—I continue to believe in the small and the local. Uh, big bureaucracies were always considered to be, uh, all considered with great scepticism, uh, you know, and, and that's not just government bureaucracy, that's also company, corporate bureaucracy. Now, I worked in that world for, for, for many years, but I always had a scepticism about it because bureaucracies, can crush individuals, can crush individual initiative, can crush individual personal responsibility. Um, and, and they are not well suited to telling us how to live our lives. And they shouldn't tell us how to live our lives. Um, and, you know, I think the fight against big bureaucracy that thinks it has the answers, whether it's in big business or in, in uh, big, gov- big government, uh, is something that is incumbent on all of us. I, I am really, I have to say optimistic and pleased with the way I see so many Australians pushing back on this. I mean, I firmly believe we should celebrate uh, Australia Day and and the wonderful nation we are all part of. Not perfect, not perfect, but it is, you know, you have to say one of the greatest nations on earth and in history, Uh, and I believe that very firmly and we should celebrate that. Uh, I don't need a a corporate bureaucracy to tell me what I should and shouldn't celebrate and I frankly won't be listening to that.
1: Well, my viewers and listeners will be able to connect with you more on your social media and other places where we hear from you. We'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes uh, and the description. What a pleasure it's been to have you on the show, Angus. Thank you again so much. There he was, Angus Taylor, the shadow treasurer and the federal member for Hume, uh, a man with vision for all Australians, a man of values, and such a joy to have him on the podcast today. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love you to go ahead and share this episode or another episode with a friend who you think would also enjoy it, and uh, they would enjoy that. Well, that'd be great if you could do that. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next week, bye for now.
0: You have been listening to The Healthy Leadership Mentor with Andrew Gray. This episode was proudly sponsored by APG Elite, home of world-class mentoring, management and consulting. Find out how APG Elite can help transform your organisation by visiting apgelite.com.au. Or if you would like to subscribe to Andrew's weekly newsletter, you can do that by visiting andrew-gray.ck.page. For all other links, including Instagram and TikTok, see the show notes until next episode thanks for tuning in